recording. Whew. Father God, thank you for this time we get to spend together. Um, as we dive into this passage, Lord, um, I pray that you would use it um, to penetrate um, our souls, um, to challenge us, um, and to make us seek those outside the kingdom. In your son's name, amen. So we're going to cover two chapters tonight. So first, we'll turn to Luke 9. We're going to cover six verses in Luke 9, and then we're going to jump to Luke 10. So if you want to like have your finger in Luke 10, that works too. Um, we're going to be at Luke 9, verses 1 through 6, and Luke 10, verses 1 through 12. Luke 9, 1 through 6, you said? Yes. Okay, are we there? Yes, sir. Almost? Yes, sir. Nine, one through six. Okay. Let me read it. This is the word of the Lord. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money. Do not have two tunics. At whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, you are to leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages and preached the gospel and healing everywhere. Chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. And this, the, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am setting you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bags, no knapsacks, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be on this house. And if the Son of Peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is sent before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Author and pastor Kent Hughes, in his book, Supremacy of Christ, tells the story of a blind missionary. Of course, it wasn't the first missionary to come to the community. Like many times, it's the second who reaps the harvest. The story starts, A missionary to Africa told the story of an elderly woman who was reached with the gospel. Though she was blind and could neither read nor write, she wanted to share her newfound faith with others. She went to the missionary and asked for a copy of the Bible in French. When she got it, she asked the missionary to underline John 3.16 in red and mark the page it was on so she could find it. The missionary wanted to see what she would do, so one day he followed her. Side note, it's actually pretty easy to follow a blind person. (laughs) In the afternoon, just before school let out, she made her way to the front door. As the boys came out when the school was dismissed, she would stop one and ask if he knows how to read French. When he would say, yes... She would ask him to read the verse that was marked in red. Then she would ask, do you know what this means? And tell him about Christ. The missionary said that 24 of the school's boys, that lady led to the Lord, became pastors. Wow. 
we talk a lot about planting seeds. Seeds, of all things. Not plowing land, not hunting for souls, even though fishing is mentioned. Not stocking medicine for Christ. It seems to always circle around to or back to the idea of harvest. Planting, of sowing, of reaping, of seeds. But why seeds? So if you've ever taken biology or never taken biology, let me break it down for you. Okay? You plant a seed. Step one. You nourish it. Step two. Step three. It grows. Okay? Step four. It bears fruit or flowers. Step five. More seeds. Either from the fruit or from the flower. It is secular. It's a cycle. But this is your first one on the blank. But if you were once a seed, how are you now bearing fruit? That question's for you. If you are a seed, or if you were once a seed, how are you now bearing fruit? Is it secular in your life? How are you seeing the cycle of the seasons unfold? If you remember that faith is a movement towards, from last week, this week we're going to be covering some steps as we talk about multiplying the faith, which is part of our faith. It's not an addition to, it is part of it. It should be multiplying in nature. So get ready to take notes and then discuss some of the transformation groups. So we're going to cover nine steps from this passage. I tried so hard to make it a perfect ten. Could not make a top ten list for the life of me. So sorry. It's like the Oscars. Some years you get eight movies in the best picture category, and then some years you get ten. All depends on the academy. Tonight, you get nine. Okay? So, one. Step one. We have to ask the question, who gives them the power? Who gives them the power? I know that sounds like an Arnold Schwarzenegger phrase. Like, who gives them the power? Who? Ah, who gives them the power? Well, we see the answer to that question in verse 1 of both chapter 9 and chapter 10. Think about this. They are sent. Not self-sent. They didn't wake up one morning um, and decide, you know, today's the day. I'm going to represent Jesus. No, they were sent by God to go to the different villages. Why is this important? Because this should remove the pride. This is not walking into a town or home or a school or club or a team and saying, Hello everyone, your future is here. I have the knowledge and wisdom to lead you to happiness. It should remove the pride because it is not your power that saves. It is the power of our almighty God. It's the person who says, Greetings, peace be with you. Is there a way I can serve you? Because my purpose is to do just that. I re- it's, realize, it's realizing that you don't go alone. It's not the gospel of Zach. It's not the gospel of Ian. It's not the gospel of Taylor. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's a gift to give. And it will be received if Christ does the planting and work. We have to realize that when we evangelize, when we share the gospel, we are not people's shepherds. Christ is the good shepherd. But we can be sheepdogs. We can be those who nuzzle people and circle around them and point them to the one who can lead. Number two, 
Why does God send us at all? Why does God... I mean, okay, I know you're telling me to go, but why? It's the God of the universe. Can't he just put out a newspaper ad? Can't he just send his angels in for a visit? I mean, he's got enough of them. Can't he send the angels to each home in the territory and be like, Hey, hey, Savior's here. If you don't believe me, believe the choir behind me. Sure. He can do all those things. He can do even more. He can do things I've not even thought of. But he doesn't. He invites you into this journey with him. This is part of his plan for your sanctification. For you to trust him. C.S. Robinson says this, Now it ought to be remembered that this plan of proclamation of the gospel was the choice of an infinitely wise God. There could be no doubt that it would have been an easy thing for him to just convert the world at the stroke of by irresistible impulse of the Holy Spirit's influence. No doubt he could turn a man's heart into obedient holiness by some suddenness of divine disclosure ministered possibly through the song and hosts of heavenly angels. But he chose to take time for it. He chose to put the ultimate accomplishment of such a work into the hands of Christian men and women. Okay, he invites us on the journey with him. But what is his purpose in our sending? What is the purpose in sending? Well, that leads you to three. Step three. What's the purpose in our sending? Sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. That's verses 9-2 and 10-9. Verses 9-2 and 10-9. Practical Christianity ministers not only to the soul, but the body as well. That's why we meet needs. That's why we clothe. That's why we feed. That's why it's something as small as embracing another individual and telling them that they're worthy. That's why we do these things. It's so tempting to go into the reason we are soul-body Constructs. That's, that's how we're made, soul and body. We're to minister to both. And I think we over-spiritualize Christianity at times. And we're like, nope, I'm just worried about your soul. Are you hungry? Let me pray for that. <laughs> we super-spiritualize it when, when we are made as a soul-body combination. And this is why. This is what it leads to. This is your next fill in the blank underneath it. Our willingness to give invites others to listen. Our willingness to give invites others to listen. If you're in need of something, I mean, just think about it. If you're in need of something, and someone says, hey, I got that. I'll give it to you. Or you're just like, thank you so much. I don't know you, but uh, I'm going to take this and go. No. You are typically grateful if you truly need something, and you're willing to listen to them. When we meet needs, it invites others to listen. Dr. Henderson writes of his medical missions to China. This is a cool story. Although China has reached what some are pleased to call the highest degree of civilization of which a nation is capable without the gospel, it presents, I believe, more physical suffering for want of medical knowledge than any other nation on the face of the earth. The multitudes of sick, lame, and blind which crowd the streets of this and other cities are ample evidence of her deplorable condition in this respect. In an institution like this, a good surgeon may almost every day of his life make the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the deaf ear, and the paralytic whole. Besides bringing hundreds together under the most favorable circumstances to have the gospel preached to them. 
I might be allowed to give one example of the influence which even one successful case exerts, not only upon an individual and her family, but upon a locality or a neighborhood. Last spring, I operated on a man's eye for artificial pupil. For several years previously, he had only just been able to distinguish day from night, light from darkness. Now think about that. He lived his whole life, well, at least that portion of his life, to where the only thing I can see is whether it's dark outside or it's light outside. Three days after the operation, he was able to read an ordinary character, and on the fifth day, he left the hospital. He was a boatman, and he lives about halfway to Nankin on the northern border of the Yangtze's River. Two months afterward, he arrived again in Shanghai with his boat and brought six blind people to the hospital, five men and one woman, from his own neighborhood. And they not only wanted to have their sight restored, but made inquiries about the Christian religion, which they said their friend who brought them had told them about one man. Continues the doctor in another port, a shopkeeper who had been blind for three years readily submitted to the operation for cataract. I need not say that he was much delighted when, on the twelfth day after, he was able to read the New Testament character with, faci- with facility. This man left the hospital in very high spirits, declaring that he would make known the gospel doctrine to all his friends and neighbors. You, f- you wonder why there's been such an explosion of Christianity in that country over the last 20 years. It's because those missionaries are not just meeting spiritual needs. They're also meeting physical ones. Our willingness to step into and alleviate pain is sometimes louder voice for the gospel than our words. Is it not? Whose pain will you step into this week? Whose pain will you step into this week? So we've talked about who sent us, why they're sent, what's the purpose of our sending to. Now we're talking about how we're going to do it. Step four. Take nothing. Nada. Zip. What rocks dream about? Zach's girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. Take nothing. That's verses 9, 3, and 10, 4. Well, that's bold, Jesus. Nothing. I mean, don't I need a seminary education? Don't I need a car? Don't I need my eyes? Don't I need you fill in your blank excuse for why you don't share the gospel? Don't I need this? You need nothing because Christ has everything. It's your next fill in the blank. You need nothing because Christ has everything. Jesus sent them with nothing to teach them to rely with confidence on the providence of God. Who would show them that they were special objects of his care. Would cause all their wants to be supplied. And thus to convince them that they were engaged in the business of heaven. Everyone who Christ sends may confidently expect Every needed equipment if he asked. Nothing is holding you back except yourself. So take your nothing. Okay? Now I know you can fly Spirit Airlines on the cheap. Where am I to go? Synagogues, street corners. Where does he send his people? So that's the next step. If you're to take nothing. I mean, we just saw that happen with me taking a step forward and being like, I I really think we should do two weeks of VBC. What do we have for it? Nothing. Nada. We had nothing. We didn't have people. We didn't have like finances. We didn't have, we didn't have nothing. And then God's like, okay, I got that. Why? Because he provides for his laborers over and over and over again. Ask big things. 
So where does he send his people? Where is he to send you? I love this one. It's, it's lost in our culture, especially in Texas, because some of the, I mean, I guess all of our houses, most for the most part, have chimneys. But the point five is fireside preaching. Fireside preaching. Yours doesn't? I'm so sorry. So fireside preaching. It's this idea that we're to meet people in their homes. But what does that mean? Okay, I'm just supposed to knock on my neighbor's door and be like, hey, I have something for you. May I come in and sit down? He sends people into homes, and this is what he means, into relationships of intimacy. Into relationships of intimacy. In that culture, it wasn't uncommon for people to take in visitors. And while they were visiting, they were treated as someone greater than the master of the house. And how, how is this modeled today? How, how do you do this today? Go to people, Watson. Go to people. Get close to them. Enter their homes. Enter their hearts. Make your mission domestic. Be sociable. Be social. Be friendly. Be human. Go not from house to house in a hurry, as though figures were redeemed souls. But stay long enough to win love, invite trust, and do nothing to thwart expectation. Make people feel your tenderness in an instinctive way and your desires real. Prove that you work and speak on the common ground of humankind. And that you will have a right to say, then you will have the right to say, the kingdom of God has come to you. And the heart will feel the presence of the unseen rule and the conscience confess its highest authority. In sharing life with someone, it isn't complicated. It isn't knowing the five spiritual laws or going through a book of Christianity with somebody. It's living and speaking simply. This is who God is. This is how he has changed my life. If you are like me and want fulfillment, then you might be interested in this too. It's simple. Author Helps tells a story of an illiterate soldier at the chapel of Lord Morpeth's castle in Ireland. Whenever Archbishop Whateley came to preach, it was observed that the right private was always in his place, mouth open, as if sympathy with his ears. Some of the gentlemen playfully took him to task for it, supposing it was due to some unusual vulgar admiration of, uh, of the man's celibacy. But the man had a better reason, and he was able to give it. He said, this isn't it at all. The archbishop is easy to understand. That's why I'm so drawn to this man. There are no fine words in him. He's a fellow like me. Now, can follow along and take every bit of it in. You're not called to make it complicated. You're simply called to share your life. And if your life is a Christian life, then you will be sharing Christ with them. Both in how you talk about Jesus and just how you talk about living. If they do not receive you, uh, shake off the dust. That's number six. If they do not receive you, shake off the dust. There will always be those who reject you. Christ knows that. He says, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Christ knows the gospel is thought of as both foolish and evil to a heart of stone. But we are not given the ability to know whose heart is stone. We are just called to go. Just not go to whomever we feel comfortable with. People might hate us, and that's okay. 
Our God is a just God. Wipe the dirt off your sandals and keep moving. Keep the faith. Well, AJ, this is a lot for me to carry on my own. Brothers and sisters, we are not meant to walk this path alone. Look at uh, the verse um, 1 in chapter 10. You're supposed to do it two by two. You're called to do it together. This is not Lone Ranger Christianity. I say this over and over again. Even in Acts, they go with another the majority of the time. I would caution to even say, if, not, if none of your brothers and sisters in Christ are there to back you, you are there to, or there to walk with you or are encouraging you, then it might be wise to heed their counsel. Many times we make decisions about God's calling without the insight and wisdom of others. Take a simple example. You would like to go to Japan. We're all excited about it. If you were like, I really want to go to Japan, and everyone was like, I don't think that's smart. You're kind of addicted to sushi and magma comics, and like, you probably wouldn't get anything done. You're lazy. You're not good with kids. You know, I'm, I'm using this as a silly example, but it's true. There are tons of missionaries out on the field that probably shouldn't be there because they're in it for selfish reasons. But people have encouraged you to go. Go. Run. Not on water. I mean, you could if you asked them, probably. But be real. Hey? Get on the plane and go. You see what that means? See that wisdom? But if no one's stopping you, go. Bring a friend with you. So how do I know if something is wise? If I'm waiting for God's calling, if I'm waiting for wisdom, how do I know if something is wise? One, watch for opportunities. Just watch for opportunities. It was me seeing Joe's van outside the depot restaurant and thinking, huh, I wonder. That led us to partner with him. So me and Jamie went to meet Joe. Many times the open door is the one you are supposed to step through. I know that's so simple, but for some of you high schoolers, you're going to have an open door standing in front of you in the next couple of years, and you're going to be like, I don't know if God wants me to go through that. The door's open. And if no other door is open, it's probably the one you want to step through. Even if you might not like how hard it might be. I don't know why that is with your generation. Like, there's hesitancy in stepping through the door. Yeah. Look and work with those who are able to give you good counsel. If you find somebody that you're like, you're smart. I like working with you. We work well together. Hang out with them. You do things better than I ever could. We should be friends. Find good peer and mentor relationships the rest of your life. That doesn't stop simply because you're someone older in the room. Find good peer and mentor relationships always. Why go two by two? You've heard it a thousand times. Iron sharpens iron. In the Christian life, there is not, that's not only true, but it is assumed with our relationship with the church. On my last page, it's only half a page of notes. Number eight. The harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Write that down and look at me. Okay? The harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Or do you just go about assuming most of your friends and families and neighbors will be just fine? Those people that on the edge are like, I, I think they're safe. They might. I'm not sure. 
They might need a friend. I don't know. Do we really live like that? Or are we just think, well, God is sovereign. He'll take care of them. We run to like the PCA, like, get out of jail free card. We must earnestly desire the welfare and salvation of precious souls and not be cold and indifferent about it. We have, Narnia has to thaw people. Christmas has to come. Joy must re-enter the way that we interact with the unchurched. One of the ways we can do that first is pray for laborers. That includes yourself. Pray for yourself. Pray for unchurched friends. Pray for each other in your pursuit of others. E.P. Rogers says this, Every Christian is bound to be a missionary, even though he's not ordained as a preacher. The spirit of missions is the spirit of Christ. And when the whole church is imbued with that, the Lord's prayer will be answered, Thy kingdom come. Number nine. Takeaways from the section as a whole. Takeaways from the section of the whole. Just kind of some summation. <laughs> D. He Hughes lays out a couple takeaways from this section. This is these are some of his. One, just a reminder: every discipler is a witness to Christ, not every other. Every discipler is a witness to Christ, not every other. Two, there's some of the particular things laid down here are not obligatory on us. The prominent features and their equipment are still needed. One, again, be reminded, you have no power and authority, but you know the one who does. The willingness to give up everything superfluous. Again, are you, we're going to talk about it some in your transformation groups, are you, what are you putting in your path to sharing the gospel with other people? Well, I don't have this. Well, I don't have this training. Well, I don't have this friend. Well, I don't. Well, I don't. Well, I don't. Well, I don't. Well, he does. And we forget that, don't we? Well, I don't. Well, it has nothing to do with it. <coughs> he just calls you to it. Three, prompt, exact, and thorough obedience. These guys just did it. Are you willing to? Surely the fields are now ripe for harvest, so let us not pray that God will send laborers, but we must be willing to be laborers ourselves. But AJ, I'm not blank. I can't fill in the blank. You get either excuses or success in this life. And this is in all categories. You either get excuses or success in this life. You don't get both. But the beauty is that you get to choose which one you get. So either watch God work or watch your life pass you by. There's a tweet by Pastor Eugene Cho this week. And I loved it, so I'm going to close with it. Don't underestimate what God can do through you. God has a very long history of using foolish and broken people for his purposes and glory. Thank God. Or none of us would be qualified. <laughs>